always taking the high road, bite your tongue. You never bad mouth the other side to the kids. That is hard, right? When you're, when you feel like you're being attacked to, you know, not say nasty things, it's difficult, but you have to do it. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 236 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. It's just me again today, folks. I know y'all miss David, but don't fret. He is part of this interview. Our interview today is with Jeanette Saltis. She is a divorce and custody attorney. Y'all, this was a great interview. We actually have an attorney that is trying to help people have amicable divorces and custody agreements. So you don't have to spend a ton of money and you don't have to fight. She's not wanting you to fight. Hopefully, this movement will take over the world. So let's get to listening. Today, we have Jeanette Saltis. Hey, Jeanette, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. So you're in a blended family. I am. I'm a stepmom. And you are also, da, 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 da. I'm a divorce and custody attorney. <gasps> yeah. In the family courses. Now, I have to say, Lori calls me up today and she says, we're having a recording for a podcast tonight and I want you to be on it because we're going to be talking to a divorce attorney. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got lots of questions about that stuff, too. Yeah, a little bit nervous here. <laughs> when said, we're going to be talking to a divorce attorney tonight. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your blend, how long you've been blending, how many stepkids, bio kids, all that happy stuff. Yeah, so I've been married for five years. And I have a son from my previous marriage. And then my husband has two daughters. And so they're all very close in age. When we married, they were seven, eight, and nine. And so now they're 12, 13, and 14. Wow. <laughs> my son is the one in the middle. Poor thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you met and you knew he had kids and he knew you had a kid. Was there any hesitation about getting involved with somebody that had kids or like with me, I wanted somebody that had kids so they would understand my child comes first. That's how I felt too. Um, I think, I think it would be harder with someone who doesn't have kids and just not understanding that dynamic, but there certainly were challenges. One of the things that I started noticing when we first started getting our kids together was just our differences in parenting styles. And we actually, as when we got serious, there were things I noticed where I'm like, okay, we parent differently. And so we started going to a therapist who does parent coaching oh. while we were dating, because I was like, you know, I don't want to throw us into the situation where we're all under the same roof and just starting to figure this stuff out. So that was incredibly helpful. And very smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So who was the stricter parent, you or him? Me, for sure. And so, you know, I would go over to his house and it would drive me kind of crazy. Like I'd 
step on paint that, that had been sitting out that you know kid been had been using or um I was much stricter with screen time and chore I, I was much stricter about everything so yeah I had to relax some and he had to get a little more strict and basically we just needed to find a middle ground that worked for us right and and that's what it needs to be a middle ground Exactly. That way you don't feel like that you're completely the one having to change and he doesn't feel like he's the one that's having to yeah. change so much. Exactly. And I think that a real danger, and this is both with co-parenting and also step parenting, is having a real black and white perspective that there's only a certain way to do things. Because when you have that attitude, and it's the same with, you know, just being divorced and what goes on in the other parent's home. If you're real black and white, where it's like, this is the only right way to do it. And everybody else needs to do it the same way. You're just setting yourself up for failure. So with step parenting, with divorce and co-parenting, it is really important to realize that different people have different ways of doing things and that's okay. And we can find compromises and a middle ground and being rigid isn't going to help anyone. Right. It's amazing how many um, blended family coaches don't grasp that. You know, they get, mm. they have this certain way they think it should be and anything outside of that, they're, they attack it or they say that won't work or that's crazy. And uh, we see that often is, and it's to, to me, it's really weird because we've always from the very beginning said, there are multiple ways to do this. You've got to figure out what yes. works for you. Mm-hmm. What we're telling you to do may work, may not work. It's work for us and work for a lot of other people. But if it doesn't work for you, find something that does. Right. My husband and I even talked about and it was really, my husband was like against this, but I brought up, what if we just bought homes like next door to each other or, you know, two town homes or, you know, just be real close to each other, but not necessarily live together. And he was like, no, that's nuts. And I don't, I don't think it's nuts. I mean, I, I think that it is okay to be creative and find what works for your family. And I know there are people who have arrangements like that and it works for them. Yeah, the living apart together. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's a definitely an interesting concept. And I know it works for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I also know in our situation when David said, well, maybe we just need to, you and Jackson go live somewhere and not we won't get divorced, but then we'll try to regroup and figure out how to do this. I knew if I left, I wasn't coming back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to go through all that with my kid and changing schools. And I didn't want to buy a house that was in this town. And so there was so much to it. But yeah, that wasn't going to happen with us. But I know a lot of people it works with. Yeah, I I do wonder what that looks like 10, 15 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Because I I do feel that you might be kicking the can in some cases where you're not forced to solve issues because they're not there whenever you move out and live apart. And then when you do finally come back together, I wonder if those issues then start coming back up. And so you've not addressed them earlier. You just address them later. I don't know the answer to that. But, you know, if the issues are just when it comes to parenting, then, all right, the kids are in college. Let's move in together now or, you know. I'd love to agree with you, but with my kids being out and coming back with their own kids and stuff like that. Oh, God, don't tell me it doesn't get easier. <laughs> I, I, hate this, I hate to tell you. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> we won't say it doesn't get easier. We'll just say it's that different. it changes yeah. and it's different. It is different. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not the panacea of they've, they've moved out or they're over 18 or they've grown up or no, no matter. It just all changes. The they, what? Yeah. Huh? Panacea. 
Yeah. You look it up later. Um, <laughs> well, you need to tell us now because I'm sure that there's some listeners going, I don't know what that means either. So it's like, you know, the perfect situation. Okay. Like paradise. Okay. Paradise. Like living with me. <laughs> but no, it, it does. It just becomes different. And uh, you have, there's different things you have to navigate. And for, for me, you, there's a, a lot of communication that I did not have to have with the ex for a period of time because the kids were grown and, and adults now. And now that there are grandkids in the picture, guess what? Now I'm having to not necessarily communicate with them, but I'm having to like be at birthday parties with them again and all these things that, you know, I was glad to move away from not having to be involved in that. And yeah. now I'll come back around. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you know, one th- I focus now on amicable divorce and and n- amicable, not meaning, oh, it's all uncontested or everyone really gets along. But I really encourage people to preserve their co-parenting relationship and do it this in a way that is a, isn't ruining that. Right. And a right. big part of it is this person is going to be in your life forever if you have kids, you know, assuming that any of your children have children. Mm hmm. This isn't going away. You're going to have weddings and then graduations, baptisms, and I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of challenges. Yeah. And two, I know that when they do, if they boomerang back, I still nacho to a degree mm. and to a different level with depending on the kid. Interesting. One of the kids, I can just plain say what I want to say. No issues. One of the other kids, I might have to message Dave and go, hey, just so you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we it, we slip back into some of the things that we had already overcome in the past mm-hmm. where you feel like, oh, my gosh, you're targeting my kid or, oh, my gosh, you know, they can't do anything right. And, you know, we're able to to handle those things now because we have the tools to do that. But you do still feel some of that old past stuff. Kind of come, come back up. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, it's like I remember whenever this made me so mad when she would do that. Now it, it's just annoying. <laughs> <laughs> That's progress. <laughs> well, I do have to say I found an empty ice cream box in the freezer the other day. Did you? And there's a story about the empty cereal box. I flipped out over empty cereal box years ago, pre-nacho. And I found it. And I'm like. Yeah, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. You're going to have the empty cereal boxes. But then a little later, it was, where's my ice cream? The box was empty. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yes, it was. Well, then that kid didn't eat it all. <laughs> right, right. Except we don't know who ate it. Oh, yeah. Let's, we can do a whole podcast on uh, we don't know who did what. Yeah. <laughs> Every time something <laughs> happened right here, I don't know. It wasn't me. Yeah, what? Yeah. That's what we used to say. The, that what me did everything. Yeah, because every time somebody did something, what me? So, what's your relationship like with your ex? Do y'all co-parent well? We do. So, my ex and I, we divorced amicably. We didn't like each other. It wasn't like we we weren't one of these rare couples who um, sometimes come through my office and I wonder why they're getting divorced. Right? Like they're still friends and still spend holidays together. That's not my situation, but you know, we were very respectful and cordial. He um he had come from a divorced home where his parents were basically constantly in litigation. And you know, he always felt in the middle and really didn't want that for our son. And then me having been a divorce attorney, I just saw what this can turn into. Mm-hmm. So we were both committed to 
not being nasty. And um, immediately, and my son was four when when we separated and we immediately started doing 50-50 custody and we've just been respectful of each other and it's worked out really well. Did he hire you to be his attorney? <laughs> no. I think that would be a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was probably like, man, I'm divorcing an attorney. That's a got, divorce attorney. Yeah. This can't go in my favor. <laughs> so thank goodness you were wanting to be amicable because I'm sure you could have ringed him a new one. Just from what you oh, I mean, I, I have colleagues who have had some of the nastiest divorces. And yeah, I just have zero interest in that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about your husband now? What about his relationship with his ex? Do they co-parent well? So that that's a longer story. <laughs> his his divorce was also amicable. And when I met him, he did and still do have 50-50 custody. But when we first started dating, he was like, oh, you know, fairly newly divorced, but he's like, it was all amicable and we co-parent great 50-50 custody, and, but that didn't last long. So it actually became extremely high conflict to the point of they went through custody modification litigation. It was actually filed shortly after he and I announced our engagement. Oh, and mm. yeah, it was, a, it was an incredibly stressful time. Um, and, and there was stuff related to me that was kind of brought up in this. And it was a very stressful situation. And, you know, both sides spent a lot of money. And it's something I talk about in like my social media. And one of the reasons why I started my own firm that focuses on keeping things healthy and positive and lower conflict is, um, you know, I, I always encourage people to stay as low conflict as possible, but living through it and seeing what it's like actually living through that experience, not from the attorney perspective, you know, it just really opened my eyes to like, this isn't helping families to deal with these issues this way. When, you know, we get, we get the discovery requests and have to pull up all of our text messages between myself and my now husband and turn those over. And I mean, it's just so nasty. So that definitely harmed their co-parenting relationship. I mean, obviously it fell apart to even get to the point of anyone filing something, right? So they had a really hard time. They ended up settling in mediation. I thank God. I think that it would have been an absolute nightmare to actually litigate against someone, you know, his ex-wife have been awful. So thankfully they settled in mediation and, you know, it's been a few years and they are now to the point where they're they're actually co-parenting pretty well. So it's it's a very positive thing now. Good. Yeah, we were, um, my, my son came home the other day. He had to go for a job interview and it's just across the state line in North Carolina. And he came back home and he said, dad, you never guess. <laughs> I saw this big, huge billboard that said, life is short, get a divorce. <laughs> and it was the divorce attorney. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. By you encouraging amicable divorces, are you not cutting in your own paycheck? So a lot of attorneys have said to me, Jeanette, you're going to make a lot less money. I don't think that's true. My average divorce case does cost less money because my typical client isn't spending what they would spend if it were high conflict. I will need to just represent more people. And that's the way I look at it is I, if I help more people, 
I'll make the same amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm helping more people. I mean, really, it's positive all the way around. Um, and I've also found that just the messaging is so attractive to people. There's just really an interest in doing this a different way. And you know, one of the things I have on um, some of my marketing material is this isn't your parents' divorce because you know how many people were kids in like the 80s and they had these just nasty divorces that their parents went through and mm-hmm. folks aren't wanting that for themselves and especially for their kids. Yeah. I imagine though, there's, there's not a price you can put on feeling good about what right. you do every day versus exactly you know, feeling like you're making money off of the drama versus you're helping, exactly. you're literally helping people. You're one of the few. You are one of the few. Yeah. Yeah. And I never want to be part of the problem. I like, I need to be helping someone to the solution and not making things worse. And, and there absolutely are divorce attorneys who make things worse and stir up the drama. And it's, um, it's really unfortunate. And I think that, I think that people really aren't educated on how to hire a divorce attorney or, you know, how to hire a custody attorney. And I'll even see like in Facebook groups and message boards, like, oh, I need a referral to the to the shark divorce attorney, to the bulldog attorney. I need someone nasty who will tear the other side apart. And I just kind of sigh when I see that, like they don't know what they're asking for because, you know, that's just asking for a nightmare. Yeah, I know. I've been through several attorneys. My ex and I will just say he liked the family court system. He he liked kissing (laughs) everybody. Yeah, even though he never won, yeah. he still wants yeah. to go every time. <laughs> and it's so stressful. But yeah. I know out of the attorneys I've had, one of them became a judge, so I couldn't use him. One of them was a pervert, so <laughs> I didn't use him again. You know, you kind of get stuck in the beginning with them, and then you have to go through it, and then it's like, I'm not going back to them. Yeah. But out of um, one of them, one, I felt like really cared about my kid. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to play the games. He wasn't going to try to poke the bear. It was, this is what needs to be addressed. I don't need to see anybody's Facebook crap. I don't mm-hmm. need to do any of that. Let's just figure out what's best for your kid. Yeah. And I would refer him to anybody in a heartbeat because of that. Mm-hmm. I think some attorneys almost see it as like a fun game. We used to like poke yeah. the bear and it's like, it's like a competition for them but they're not focusing on, all right, what is really best for this child? And let's just come up with solutions, not make it this competition. Right. Or they look at it as, oh, well, we can get more money out of them. Yeah. One attorney. How much um, are you spending on the lawyer to get there? One attorney I had actually in the papers, it was a final order, but it it was, it was like it left a loophole Mm. where we would possibly have to go back to get something addressed. And I flat out asked him, I said, why did you word it that way? Because mm-hmm. I've read enough of my own court papers to know that, wait a minute, kind of thing. Yeah. He said, it's called job security. I said, no, it's called being a douche. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But that's how they think. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am so glad that you don't think that way. Like I said, you are one in a million because most of them will do that. I've had an attorney that represented me in an office with an attorney next door that represented my ex and they would get in fights in the middle of the hall and then charge us for it. Yeah. <laughs> but this, his that attorney said, I'm not going to charge you for that because I just kind of got off the chain. Well, mine still charged me. It's crazy. It just, it, is. it annoys me. 
Because mm-hmm. they don't care that you're actually having to have a yard sale to come up with money to pay your attorney's fees. They don't care about any of that. Yeah. And I know in California, I recently found out that California has support systems to help you represent yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I know that California is very different. I'm in Georgia and I had an attorney who worked for me for a while who was had just left California and would just be shocked, constantly shocked <laughs> at how things worked in Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very different. Yeah, because I feel like that you should be able to represent yourself more. There's a really huge gap between like who qualifies for legal aid. And really, you have to be just barely above that poverty line. And then who can actually pay for an attorney? And there's so many people who, you know, they can't spend five, ten. And then we're talking about a contested custody case. I mean, that could be six figures. Who can do that? Yeah. So you're right. And then it's a very hard system to navigate on your own. I know that there are some uh, like companies like Hello Divorce and like some private companies who are coming up with resources that help people represent themselves. But we definitely need more. And I think it makes sense for for states to put that together. I mean, it would help the court system not be so clogged up with People who are trying to figure it out on their own and you know, scheduling hearings and just getting sent away because the right procedures weren't followed. Right. And I've seen it go both ways. Some judges will have compassion, we'll say, for those that are trying to represent themselves. And some are like, Mm-mm, you didn't address this properly. You didn't say this properly. Get out of my courtroom. Yeah. And it's like everything else. It just depends on the judge. Yeah. People get so frustrated when I, so I make a lot of TikTok videos and people always get frustrated when I'm answering questions and it's always, it depends on the judge. And I get so many comments where people say, well, it shouldn't be that way, but it is, I, you know, it, it is. I mean, the way that these things are interpreted so much depends on the judge's personal beliefs and backgrounds. I mean, in Georgia, the best interest of the child. Right. And I don't necessarily think it would be better to define that by statute. Do we really want the legislature, you know, specifically defining exactly what's best for our own children? So there's no good answer to it, right? Define best. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I mean. Well, David and I have talked about it a lot because as having good attorneys, I've had good judges and ones that they've all ruled in my favor, but there were some that you just don't really care for it. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to be back in front of him. And some of them, you can tell if you find out if they seem to be more towards the dad, you can find out it might be because their wife cheated exactly. on them and they're getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And so the, yeah, I know they're not supposed to take their personal life into account, but they there's can't no way not. around that. Exactly. It's like, you know, someone who's wanting to really slam their spouse for infidelity. It's like, you don't know if the judge has ever cheated them. I'm 50% of people cheat. So mm-hmm. there's a real good chance that the, deci- that the decision maker may have had this come up in their own life. Right. And, you know, there's there's no guarantee. And that is one good thing with, you know, using someone who goes regularly in front of certain judges is you do learn like what judges rule certain ways, but you don't always know that. Yeah. Well, our conversation was there needs to be three judges. That way there's not just one opinion. 
a panel, a panel of judges. Yeah. Just like a MMA match (laughs) or almost like a jury. And Mm -hmm. I talked to one person that was a guest on our podcast and he requested a a jury trial for his custody slash child support hearing, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know you could do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you can Mm -hmm. in any state, but he was in Texas, I think. And so I found that very interesting. But it just seems to me that it's unfair to have to put my faith in an attorney that doesn't know me from a hill of beans, that they're going to tell the judge the important stuff within 15 minutes. Yeah. And then the judge is basing me off of how my attorney represents me. Mm hmm. And it's just scary because you are honest to God, putting your child's life in the hands of somebody yeah. that does not know you. Yeah. Let me yeah. make my own sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know how that would go. Yeah. Yeah. They, they would have to kick you out because, wait a minute, you're taking too long with Sims. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then the issue of you know, having like three judges, then it becomes a resources issue. I mean, the yeah. courts are already backed up. We don't mm-hmm. have enough judges. And in Fulton County, which is is downtown Atlanta, the family law division, we're short one judge already. And it's mm-hmm. just a disaster. People aren't getting hearings. So it's like, all right, are we going to raise taxes? <laughs> well, no one wants that. And they should do it like I, American I really Idol and have like text in your vote. <laughs> Should this person keep their kids? Like Televise it. You can actually yeah. make some money on this. One zero nine nine and vote today. What should their? What should I really their, think the answer is more putting programs in place to keep people out of the courtroom and yes. get yeah. therapists involved. Because you know we have attorneys as guardian ad litems and. My oh, girl, opinion, go guardian. Yeah, my personal opinion is this needs to be a therapist who's looking into these things and making recommendations because guardians, there are some wonderful ones and there are some that are just shockingly horrible and don't know what the heck they're doing. I really think there needs to be some sort of system where there's therapists who really know the research on custody and are using alternative dispute resolution methods, even arbitration, like maybe even pay, you know, the the state or county paying for arbitrators and allowing people to submit their issues to an arbitrator instead of having to wait a year to get in front of a judge. Right. Now I know in South Carolina, you have to go through mediation mm-hmm. where you can go in front of the judge. And I have my own opinions about that because I feel like that they pressure you and it's like gambling. And they're going to say, well, you never know what the judge is going to do, which I know that. But if I'm having to go to court because of something that my ex did that put my child in danger, it should be no question who's paying attorney's fees. Yeah. But, you know, the judge might look at it like this. So what do you do? You roll the dice or do you settle and say, okay, fine. I only make them pay 50% of my attorney's fees. It's and hard. You, yeah. You walk out no matter the situation, even again, from the winning side, when I have went in front of the judge, you still walk out feeling like you're screwed. Yeah. And I've actually had judges say, a lot of judges say this, that they know they've done a good job when both parties walk out upset. Yes. yes. <laughs> like When oh. nobody's happy. What a great system is this that yeah. everyone walks away unhappy. Yep. I actually had a judge that he looked at us and he said, I'm going to order court order counseling for you 
or co-parenting, which I knew would be a waste of time, but I was willing to go and try. But then, of course, we had to subpoena the counselor and he got up on the stand and said the exact same thing that basically only one person was willing for it to work. Mm-hmm. And the judge said, well, it's unfortunate because you're both going to walk out of here unhappy. Yeah. And it's like, look, that a lot. again, it's, it needs to be about the kid. Yeah. Not because I'm a butthole or he's a butthole. It needs to be about the kid. And I think too often it's based on personality clashes with the judge. I've had one attorney that he's like, wear a short skirt and you'll mm-hmm. win. <laughs> that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That That's sad. It is. And it's not just in the United States. It's all over the world. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. We actually had a guy on our podcast from England and he was going through parental alienation mm. and his story. It, it was so sad and the court system was so crazy with it. But apparently somebody in the law system found out about his podcast and he was threatened to remove it. Oh, wow. So he messaged me. He's like, I hate to do this, but you know, they're already hate me and I can't go back to court for another year to try to get my kids. And they're threatening me that I'll never see them again. If I, so I was like, Oh, no problem. We'll take it down. But it's, yeah. it's just crazy. And then I know, you know, this too, you've got the attorneys that they act like they hate each other in the courtroom, but they're out drinking beer at lunch together. Yeah. It's it's crazy. The whole system. It is. I don't know how it needs to be revamped, but I like your idea. I think it needs to be a therapist versus the attorneys fighting and then the mediation thing. Just, I don't think that's, it's not working well. Yeah, it's not. And then, you know, I've got the question of why do you have to have so many hearings? You've got <laughs> the temporary here and then you've got the temporary, temporary. Then you've got, I mean, it's just, it's not just. You go, you get it resolved, and you're done. And I know it's some so cases you can. It is. It's very inefficient. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I think that a big part of the problem is there'll be, you know, maybe 30 cases that are put on the judge's calendar, and they de- they put down more than they think they can likely hear, but then a lot of them settle last minute. So right. you show up to a calendar call that has 30 cases on the calendar, and then maybe only 10 of them are actually ready to move forward, and so the judge actually gets to them. But then the opposite happens all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. all 30 cases show up and everyone needs a hearing. And so then half of you get bumped out another month. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's like the airlines. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And see, that drives me crazy, too, with the 11th hour settlements. Yeah. You know, some of the lawyers, it's like they don't feel it's like they don't feel the pressure to get it settled until that night before. And I really think that's a lawyer issue where they Mm -hmm. kind of procrastinate and then it's like oh trials right around the corner so now we really need to focus on this one and try to get it settled but then the client yeah. spends so much more money because you started preparing for trial at that point oh and see again i've had a friend go through that they she spent i know over a hundred thousand dollars and then they get to court and her lawyer convinces her it's in her best interest to settle she knew that two months ago. Yeah. Why didn't she tell her that? So now instead, she's got $5,000 more to pay mm-hmm. for the preparation and then the travel time and all that stuff just for the hearing. Yeah. That never happened. Mm-hmm. 
It's just, it's sad. It does. It is. But I'm so glad that we've got somebody that's mm-hmm. wanting something better and isn't trying to be a car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> and it is changing. I mean, there are a number of people who um, want to start practicing this way. I'm in a lot of different Facebook groups. And I've posted about my approach and other people are like, how are you doing that? How are you getting out of the nasty litigation? And um, and th- there's a network that started in Georgia called the Amicable Divorce Network, and it's spreading to other states. So I, I always recommend if there's an Amicable Divorce Network in your state, start with those attorneys. And that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you head that up? No, a colleague of mine mm-hmm. did. And it's very similar to if you've heard of collaborative divorce. It's a very similar process to collaborative divorce, just some minor differences. So if you've got somebody that comes to you and they say, Jeanette, I want to burn him a new one. Do you say, let's talk about that? Or do you say, I'm not the attorney for you? Have you turned people away because yes. you know that they're just wanting to be nasty? Yes, I do turn that person away. I When some contacts my firm, they talk first to one, one of my team members. They don't talk to an attorney first. So that does kind of like get to know the potential client a little bit. Let's tell you about our firm. Most of the time they've seen my marketing materials. And so I don't typically get contacted by the people like that. But sometimes mm-hmm. they slip through. And I, my team member who does the initial calls will tell the person that that's not how we handle cases. Let me tell you how we handle it. Here's the reason why we have this approach. And if they don't agree with that approach, then they're just not the right fit for our firm. Right. And that's great. So talk to us about your blend and some of the challenges you've had, because you, you seen the blend from... Different, every perspective yeah different perspectives and different people it's kind of like us we get to we get the benefit of seeing other people going through problems and oftentimes it's very helpful for us because we can kind of see things that that we can avoid yeah so how, how does that work for you and your relationship so you know early on like the the biggest struggles were with my husband's co-parenting relationship and um unfortunately I was kind of involved in that because I was the person that was not liked by the other side. I'm trying to say mm-hmm. this in a way that's, you know, I don't want to give away, you know, too much personal information, but it was complicated. It, you know, I was I would spend time hanging out with my stepkids and then a completely different story of what happened would be complained about. And, mm-hmm. it, and I say it's like playing a game of telephone, you know, where no, the kids aren't lying. Like, I, you know, nobody's saying the kids go and lie. But when you are hearing a story that's passed from a four-year-old to, you know, an adult, and they're interpreting what I said, a lot of times things can get really twisted around. So that was a gigantic problem early on. And really, it's what led to, in my opinion, what led to litigation was there being just this complete inability for the co-parents to actually talk through and have a conversation to know what was going on. So I, my husband and I, we went to therapists on like, how do we deal with this? How do we insulate our relationship from the stress of that? Where, um, I mean, it was really bad to the point where like, 
And my husband had to turn off notifications on his phone because if there were like text messages from his ex, it would cause anxiety in our bodies. Like it was like our private lives were just, we're just walking on eggshells and just constant anxiety. So, I mean, that was one of the most challenging things I've ever gone through. And these weren't even my kids who were the, you know, I can't imagine Mm -hmm. if I had litigation involving my own child, right? So that was definitely the most challenging. And and then, of course, always like always taking the high road, bite your tongue. You never bad mouth the other side to the kids. That is hard. Right. When you're when you feel like you're being attacked to, you know, not say nasty things, it's difficult, but you have to do it Yeah, because you want to defend yourself. Exactly. But you know, you, you just, you have to do it. You have to do the right thing and realize, all right, I'm the adult here. I like don't involve the kids in this. And then, you know, everything else I would say has been a lot less significant than that struggle. But, you know, there are struggles. I One of my stepkids is um, very, very hard-headed. I would say that out of our entire family, she and I are the most stubborn. And um, so we butt heads. I and I think that she's she's used to other people kind of like she's used to kind of getting her way with other people. Like other people don't deal with the conflict and I won't. I'm just like, no, I'm you're not going to get your way by, you know, yelling at me. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's challenging. And and I think that it's very different. I, I think it's easier to have patience when that's a child who you've known since day one, right? And you've bonded. Either yours. Yeah. yeah. Like you've bonded with an infant. So I can even see how maybe a stepmom who came into a child's life from the very beginning, it, it could even be different. But when you're talking about like elementary age kids and you're just meeting them, it's definitely can be difficult to have the patience. And so that that's been a challenge. I feel like I've I've done a good job at that because I try to be very self-aware and but yeah I mean that that's absolutely a challenge and I've had to learn ways to walk away sometimes and that's a big one where it's like I have to just let my husband be the parent it is okay for me to retreat and go into my bedroom and close the door and he he's got to deal with this and I'm just yep. going to mm-hmm. keep my sanity when we bought our house mm-hmm. together, I told him we have to have a really big master bath, a really big tub. And this has to be my retreat away from the chaos. And I need to be able to go in there and close the door and hide from the chaos. Yes. So how do your kids get along? That's been really interesting because so my my son's the one in the middle. And mm-hmm. when my husband and I were dating, the youngest and my son were like two peas in a pod. I mean, they were best friends, like climbed trees together. And she was my youngest stepdaughter was very active and outdoorsy, which my son, he has ADHD. So he, you know, he, he loves being outside. So they were incredibly close, but that actually did change a little bit. Once we all moved in together, I would say within the first six months, And I mean, it still kind of makes me sad because they were so, so close. I mean, they were best friends. And now I would say it's, it's, I'm an only child, but so it's what I would think is a pretty normal sibling relationship, but they drive each other nuts. And, you know, Mm -hmm. one minute they'll be playing volleyball outside together. And then the next minute they're screaming at each other. (laughs) 
And so then it's been interesting. So my son is now closer to my oldest stepdaughter and, um, and they were not close at the beginning, but now I would say they're very close and the two of them will go bike riding and, um, and, and do things together for a while. So something else that's difficult that you guys have probably gone through is when your schedules get out of sync with all the kids, you know, so with 50-50 custody, there's times where our schedule gets messed up. And so I have my son for a week and then it flips, then, you know, we have my husband's kids. And my son is actually very adamant that he wants to be on the same schedule with, or he says his sisters, he doesn't say stepsisters. They don't even say stepbrother, just brother and sister. So he'll say, I want to be on the same schedule as my sisters. And so then because I'm, um, it's always myself and, and my ex-husband who tweak our schedule because we're we're able to do that better. <laughs> yes. So we always end up tweaking our schedule and keeping the kids on the same schedule. So, I mean, I, I'm very happy with how things are going. I think that it's, um, you know, there are challenges, but I think their relationships are healthy and normal with a normal amount of conflict you'd expect from siblings. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I know... With us, my son is five years younger than the triplets. And then David's oldest is a year and a half mm-hmm. older than the triplets. And it was hard for me when they started having those normal sibling type arguments. Yeah. Because I wanted to intervene. I wanted to protect my son. Mm-hmm. And I had to remind myself, that's how my sisters and I bonded. We're by fighting. I mean, kids fight. And by me stepping in, David, in turn, would tell his kids, just leave him alone. Don't play with him. So then that was preventing them from building those relationships. And it was hard. I had to step back. And unless there was like my son getting hurt or something, if it was just they were arguing with him, then I let him handle that. Mm -hmm. But he knew, too, that he could come to me if he felt like they were, let's say, bullying him. Yeah. Because, you know, growing up, we didn't have the word bullying. That word did not exist. It was, that's how it was. Yeah. Up and up. No yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember I would talk to my son at night sometimes, every night before we'd go to bed. And I'd ask him how his day was. And he would say, you know, so-and-so referring to one of the kids. He's like, he was really mean today. And he's <laughs> like, David needs to put him up for adoption. <laughs> 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 that was his solution was put the kids up for adoption. <laughs> it was hilarious. But we also saw how he rotated through who he was closest to mm-hmm. throughout the years. Yeah. And um, he still got good relationships with them uh, for the most part. They Three of them went off in the Air Force and were out of the country. Two of them were out of the country. Yeah. But, um, you know, he still I would say something about one of them. He goes, yeah, I talked to him the other day. Okay. So that made me happy yeah. that they still had those relationships because you want them to feel like it's family mm-hmm. and not necessarily the step yeah. brother or step. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you have being an only child, sometimes it's hard for me to really know, like, is this normal? Do I need to be concerned? Like they're beating up on each other. Is that, is that okay? Normal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's almost like when you're pregnant. You can go rob a bank and blame it on hormones, <laughs> right? It's normal. Everything's normal when you're pregnant. <laughs> Same thing with kids. It's normal for them to beat the snot out of each other. Yeah. It's normal for them to steal each other's clothes or ruin each other's toys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all normal. 
And I know with David's kids, they like to fight a lot. And David liked to fight with them. So for me, it was hard not to stop that. Mm -hmm. And I had to tell myself, unless I heard one of them crying or screaming to where I knew they had gotten hurt or were getting ready to kill somebody, I just stayed out of Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. They had, um, we were in the martial arts, so they had gloves they could put on and all that. And they would get out in the yard and, you know, punch and kick each other or, or grab each other and wrestle each other to the ground. So, I mean, they were very, very active yeah yeah horseplay was was the on the menu for the day all mm-hmm. the time you know you never knew when somebody was going to grab you and pull you down in the floor and and wrestle with you so mm-hmm. that's just how honestly it's how i was raised and so that's how i raised my my boys and see i've got two sisters and you didn't act like yeah. that you sat on the furniture a certain way mm-hmm. you only ate in the kitchen there were rules and my mama was the heavy. Yeah. I, me and my dad wrestled all the time and we, we broke furniture yep. because wrestling. Oh my wrestled gosh. All the <laughs> I remember one time I was, I don't know, I was probably 15 or 16 years old. I literally jumped off the top of the house and to try to, you know, jump on him as he got out of his truck from work one day because that's how we were going to tussle in the yard. I mean, we were just anything we could do to get each other. That's the kind of stuff that when I first met my husband, I was horrified by because, you know, and I I grew up (laughs) as an only child. And so, you know, my house was calm. And I remember as a kid going to other like friends houses and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is chaos. And then I go to my quiet house. And so when I started dating my husband, Jeff, I remember his and he had this lovely house and the couch was broken. And so was the window (laughs) still above the couch. And it was from the kids jumping off the window on the couch. And I'm like, that's nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're just a rowdy bunch. And that was their normal. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I remember the first time I came here and I sat on David's couch and it's like the cushions came up this high on me because it was so broken. And then I realized why, because they treated it like gym equipment. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's like, the, the couch is not for jumping on. I'm like, well, then why does it have springs? <laughs> oh, we just, the, my husband and I, we just bought one of those new, oh, what are they called? These fancy couches that are like convertible and you can put them together different ways. Oh, like the modular yeah. pieces that love, you can. So, love sectional? Yeah, that's exactly so what we love. got, the sectional, the love sack or whatever it's called. So we just yeah. got one of those and I caught him and one of the kids jumping on it. And... <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, it's under warranty. I'm like, I, I bet that's an excuse. Under warranty. Yeah, I, I, I guarantee there's some fine print in there that their lawyers put in there. <laughs> uh huh. I love it. It's under warranty. That says, if you or your kids jump on this, it voids yeah. the warranty. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite things was my couch. I have a buckskin couch that I've had for years. I love it. It was one of my first adult purchases kind of thing. And so when we brought my couch here, I was like, they are not jumping on my couch. Shoot. Sometimes she's like, they're not sitting on my couch. (laughs) Well, that was part of it too, because they would be nasty and go plop on the couch. Take a shower before you sit on Lori's couch, (laughs) y'all. So we solved that problem by getting them their own couch. Uh They had their own couch and that was Lori's couch. And yes, some may think that's crazy, but I'm telling you, before my child, I love my couch. Then, of course, my baby came, and that's a different story. Yeah. Now the dogs sleep on the couch. Yeah, now the, but it's got a cover on it. So. One of the things that we did after we um, got married was shortly after. So I moved in and had like a whole set of crystal glassware and all these nice things. 
And I also had, I remember curio cabinets. My mom had a curio cabinet that she really wanted me to take because it, it meant a lot to her. So I have my mom's curio cabinet, but I don't really have stuff to fill it up. So it became the curio cabinet of broken things. And, oh. and so the kids and my husband, they didn't tell me. It was like a secret between them that when someone broke something, we're just going to put it in the curio cabinet. And so finally, one day I, I noticed, I'm like, there's like this, like these shards of glass and this broken mug. And I'm like, what is going on? And, and then they told me, yeah, this is now the curio cabinet for, for broken things. And <laughs> Where we put the That's nice seen. things when they break. <laughs> I would get along so well with your husband. <laughs> that is very creative. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> I have no, uh, we, I remember we got down to, I had one crystal wine glass left. This is our nice wine glass. And, and that lasted maybe another year. So now no crystal. <laughs> Something that we would advise people going into a blended family or even having kids. Anything nice that you don't yeah. want destroyed, put it exactly. up. <laughs> put it in storage. <laughs> and that short time frame after the kids move out before grandkids come. You can enjoy it. Play briefly. it. And then when the grandkids are born, put it back up again. It, it's funny. One of my kids said, why did y'all wait till we moved out before you started doing all this work on your house and, you know, new floors and new this and new that? I'm like, because y'all will tear it up. Yeah. Let me go show you the holes upstairs to remind you what y'all did to the upstairs. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. they would wrestle and... Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I, I became pretty decent at repairing sheetrock. <laughs> because they would knock holes in the wall, you know, throwing each other against the wall. Oh, and they wouldn't tell you either. No. Mm -mm. You'd walk upstairs and be like, like yeah. somebody's head had just went through the wall. Yeah. Why is yeah. there this big <laughs> hole in the wall? I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that was a big adjustment for me. Like, you know, then not only was I an only child, but I only had one child. So when I was single and it was just me and my son... Our house was quiet and not chaotic. So then orderly one and kid to three. <laughs> Girl, huge adjustment. I feel your pain. It was just me and sweet little baby boy. Mm -hmm. Moved in here to the zoo. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I am not kidding. David would encourage these kids to run around the house. Welcome to the jungle, yeah, baby. Yeah. My husband. Yeah. Like my husband got out this remote control helicopter. It was flying it around in the house. And I'm like, it is bedtime. What is wrong with you? And the kids are like jumping on the couches and trying to get the remote control helicopter. <laughs> I don't see a problem with that at all. Yeah, David would cut all the lights off in the house and they would play monster. That sounds yep. like so, my husband. Yep. Would he on. would take them. And try to put them in his lair or whatever. Yeah, I, I, like I would grab them and drag one of them to the end of the hallway. And the other ones would try to come and save him. And then unless I would, it was my kid, they would just sacrifice yeah, him. You know, <laughs> so all the, you know, complete pitch black. They never knew where I was at. And so <laughs> I remember one time I was like laying on the couch and one of them come and jumped on top of me. And they were like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when I go hide in my bedroom. And this is actually so my husband, I, I'm in my home office. And I was like, you have to take the kids out to dinner. Like they can't be home. So he's out to dinner with the kids, but it's uh, it's clean for a middle night. Do you guys clean before your cleaning person comes? Um, so no. it's clean for a middle night because our cleaning person, Amilda comes tomorrow and I hide because it's chaos. My, my husband turns it into this chaotic game and he, he has a song. He gets everybody worked <laughs> up and I just, I can't take it. So I clean for Amilda in the morning. 
<laughs> and at night, oh, I go, what's the song? Oh, no, I need to know the song. Yeah, I can't do the song. Come on, <laughs> sing it, Janelle. Sing it. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> I do. I, I do. It's, it's ridiculous. Everybody do your show. <laughs> yeah david's got a couple of songs too that I, he will not do it <laughs> on the podcast for nothing and i've tried to get him to i'm like just do a little snippet of it but i know in the morning he would sing songs like book bags and lunch boxes or something silly <laughs> for the kids to remember and then um yeah, when he would drop them off at school he'd say prepare for rapid deployment yeah, I, I, they all thought they were jumping out of an airplane at 30,000 feet, you know, and we would yeah, like, they would just sling, sling open the door. And it was funny because somebody was behind me one day. And they were like, dude, your kids come out of that car like they're on fire <laughs> like, because they're they're halo jumping. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely um, it was definitely an adjustment mm-hmm. from my calm home with me and my sweet baby and. Coming here where the only quiet I got was on my ride to work. Yeah, I can relate. But then, you know, you have to realize that there's value in both, right? And that's where you have to find those compromises. And I think it's a positive thing for my son to have all these games and some of the crazy, right? Oh, yeah, Yeah. definitely. (laughs) Now we look at each other sometimes when nobody's here and we're like, oh, my gosh, you're so quiet. We want some of the matter of fact, I think that's why she got two puppies during COVID was because she missed the chaos (laughs) and they definitely bring chaos back. (laughs) Yeah. And then now we have some of the kids back. So it's I know um, when Jackson, my son, David would play with him. He would throw him on the couch. Girl, my heart would drop. I'm like, you're going to break his neck. <laughs> my daddy saw it one time. He's like, I don't like him doing that. He's going to hurt him. And Jack, David's like, I'm trying to toughen him up. You've made him into a mama's boy or something. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to me, it's like, whoa. Now, my sisters and I were pretty rough, but not compared to this level of rough, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And he's still okay today, right? I don't know. I wonder sometimes. (laughs) We sometimes feel like we're living, well, we are living just like two completely different lives because we have week on week off schedules. And because we keep it lined up, we have a week of chaos. And then we have Mm -hmm. a week without kids where it's like, we go out to dinner, we watch Netflix together and it's, and then you gear up for the chaos and just back and forth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And we had the same thing. We always had my son, though. He would go to his dad's every other weekend. And then David's kids, in the beginning, we had them 11 out of 14 days. And then it switched to 50-50. So every other week, my son was an only child. And it was quiet. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, here comes the, you know, the band, the circus is coming back Mm -hmm. to town. And everything was just crazy. And so that first day they're gone, you're like, oh. Second day you're gone, they're gone. You finally, you get used to that quiet and then here they come back. But there is something to be said for the crazy and the chaos because the other morning I got up and David's oldest and his wife and their kid was here. My son was here. My other son and Uh, his girlfriend uh, and daughter daughter were here. A a house full of people. And I loved it. I loved it. Because it's just, it's cool. It's Then we play games together. And, you know, when they were growing up, you couldn't play games because somebody would get mad <laughs> and it turned into craziness. And so now they want to play games yeah. and we have fun doing that stuff. So that's awesome. 
Well, one of the questions I had asked you was your best advice. And you said intentionally create joint family rules together. Mm-hmm. That is key. And that was part of the co- the the uh, parent counselor that we went to. And that's something we worked with her on was what are our family rules? Like, you know, you have your mm-hmm. rules in life over here and you have yours over here. But, you know, how do we merge those? Yeah, it was probably Jeanette has these yeah. rules and husband has zero rules. <laughs> yeah. And then she said to us, she told us to pick five family rules. And our kids at the time, Mm -hmm. when we were doing this, it was before we married. So I think our kids are maybe like six, seven, eight. They're pretty little. So she said, pick five family rules because kids can't remember like, you know, 10 things. Like you have to keep it simple, right? So we had to prioritize and decide, you know, as a couple, what are our top five most important ones? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And which ones do you agree on? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even remember if I can remember what our rules were at this point. But I remember one of them was like, keep control of your hands and feet and don't touch everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not touching you. Stop. <laughs> yeah, David needs that rule. <laughs> you know, we had the Nacho Kids Academy, and that's one of the courses we have is House Rules and Consequences. Oh, awesome. Because most of the time they're already in the relationship and they're already struggling. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. You write down what rules you think should be. And he writes down his. And then you compare them. Mm-hmm. The ones that are the same, boom, there's your rules. The ones that are different, talk about yeah. those. And, and weigh them kind of thing. And then same with consequences. Yeah, consequences is a big one. You can't have a consequence that's different for a different kid. Yeah. yeah. The biggest problem we see with consequences is people get overzealous. They think they'll enforce a consequence yeah. that they actually can't or won't. I don't say they can't, they won't do it. Mm-hmm. And so you, we often tell people find something that you will stick with, no matter how little it might seem. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put somebody on rest- hold your phone for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Don't put somebody on restriction for a week. Yeah. If you're going to let them off the next day, put them on restriction for a half a day because you know you can stick with that. Whatever it is. My mama would stick with a month. Well, you she, needed it. Yeah. You needed it. No, no. <laughs> and I remember David would tell the kids they would be on restriction. Did it mean nothing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Next thing you know, they're going out the door yeah. and I'm like, did you forget? Yep. Well, that's not what you're supposed to say <laughs> because he didn't forget. He just was didn't care. <laughs> he really put them on restriction more than likely because I thought he should. Yeah. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember one time I put them on restriction in this they were supposed to go to a kid's birthday party the next day. And now you got to remember I had four kids. Well, the very close in age. Yeah. Close in age. And they went to a very small school and this kid had invited like five people Uh, and four of them were my (laughs) kids. And I'm like, ah, so I ended up letting them go. And Lori was like, I can't believe you're letting them go to their birthday. I'm like, the kid would have had nobody there (laughs) if my kids wouldn't have went. (laughs) Well, you know, from a step-parent standpoint, but you didn't teach them a lesson. But from a parenting standpoint, I would have done the same thing. And that's a lot of times where, and I still do this, when we were talking about his oldest moving back in, it was, okay, we need to come up with some guidelines. Mm -hmm. And we would talk about something and I'd go, if it was my son, I wouldn't give him that rule. So the 25 rules came down to like three. Mm -hmm. because it's not fair to expect his kids to have rules that I wouldn't expect to have on my own son. I don't even see how you came up with three if it's going to be for your own son. 
<laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> and that comes from experience because when his kids were 13 or 14, he would make their breakfast and lay their clothes out. And I'm thinking, uh-huh. really, that's ridiculous. Your kids are old enough to fix their own breakfast and lay their clothes out. When my kid was 14, I'd say, baby, what you want for breakfast? It was completely different. I had different expectations for his kids. You mean when he was 18, you were saying? I still do that. I will. Yeah. <laughs> if he wants me to fix his breakfast, I'll fix his breakfast. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. And we, and we often tell people, be very careful what you do or say or expect when your kids are the younger kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when yours get to be that age, you might find that you have a very different set of expectations. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but you you got them right there together, though. Yep. <laughs> and so they're oh, they're all almost teenagers. Yeah, so they're twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So when you're you said a minute ago, and I know I'm jumping around, I do that a lot. But you said that your son is now a little bit closer to the oldest. Does the youngest feel left out? I don't think so. I think she's so annoyed by him that she's fine <laughs> with it and it goes and hides in her room. <laughs> yeah, and she'll, you know yeah. she'll play with him a little bit. It's interesting. The oldest has kind of become more outdoorsy and active than she used to be. So it's just kind of flopped where now mm-hmm. my son knows that if he wants to go outside and now biking is the thing that the oldest is the one who's the most likely to do that. Yeah. I mean, I even did that with my cousins. I was really close to one of my cousins growing up. And then in my teenage years, I ended up being more being closer to his brother, his older brother. And mm-hmm. and I'm still closer to his older brother now than I am him. So it kind of flip-flopped at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it changes. It, it's a challenge. It's like a roller coaster. It ebbs and flows. But it's definitely going to be interesting to watch how they grow up together. And that's one thing that I've liked watching with David's kids growing up. I mean, they're adults now, according to the law. <laughs> <laughs> and two of them have kids. Another's got a kid on the way. And what is so weird is seeing them as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> this is so much fun because. Yeah. When they get annoyed at their kid, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like, don't laugh. Don't laugh. Yeah. Gotta hide your face. Oh, don't treat that baby like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're the good grandparents. <laughs> so what would you say? Well, I think I know what you would say, but what would you say to someone that is getting ready to get into a blended relationship? What would be your best advice regarding the exes? Because it's so easy for you to get drug into your husband's and his exes stuff. You felt that same anxiety when he would get a text mm-hmm. message notification. So what would be your advice for them? Yeah. But you really, you know, if, if if the person doesn't have that very good co-parenting relationship, you really do have to keep yourself distant from that and not get involved. Um, And I actually, I went to some individual therapy, like when we were going through that and, you know, that's what she said was Jeanette, you just have to step back and realize like that it's not your co-parenting relationship. It's not your kids that these are things he has to deal with. And I think especially as women, we want to step in and like help them figure things out and help slash control. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you can't do that. Like, you know, it's not your life. It's not, you just have to do your own thing and let them handle it 
the way they need to handle it. And you know, once I started doing that and just separated myself and had that space, it really helped my anxiety a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You got new furniture. (laughs) 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 You're going to let us know how that warranty works out on that couch. (laughs) That's so funny because that is something you would say. And I would roll my eyes and say, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But it is good to have fun. And I'm glad that your husband is kind of that carefree spirit. I know it's, I know, I, I know sometimes you just want to wring his neck. Like you said, when it's bedtime and he's getting them riled up and you're like, I am tired. I'm ready to go to bed. And here you are having them do <laughs> jumping jacks or whatever. Yeah. Lori likes to tell people, yeah, he was fun for the first six minutes. Then he got old. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I say you're funny the first 10 minutes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and then promoted. it gets annoying. Yeah. <laughs> well, where can people reach you if they want you to help them with their divorce to be more amicable or um, the custody schedule thing. Yeah. So my, my firm is called Atlanta holistic family law. And so the website's ATL holistic family law, I'm all over social media. I'm on TikTok. I do a lot of TikTok videos. So you go girl, (laughs) some information there. I'm on Facebook, but it's all ATL holistic family law. All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest and thank you for doing what you're doing. I know we have a follower that she, her husband is an attorney, a family law attorney. And he said, everybody needs to learn this nacho stuff. It would make everybody's life better. He said, but then we wouldn't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? That's a good thing. I, I, I think there's always going to need, there's always going to be a need for navigating this from attorneys. There's just a better way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks again. Stay in touch. Thank you for having me. We are so thankful that Jeanette decided to be a guest on our podcast because y'all know how I feel about the family court system. Not a big fan. Even from a winning side, still not a big fan. It needs to be revamped. Anybody that's been a part of the family court system knows this. So if you know someone that is getting ready to go through a divorce, Have them look into the Amicable Divorce Network. It could save them thousands and a lot of their sanity. We hope y'all are doing well and getting ready for the holidays. And we will see you next week. And remember, life is good when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.